Welcome to Meet the Church. This is a podcast from Providence Church in Austin, featuring a new person each week from our congregation. We're excited to discuss the work, interest, and testimonies of our church members to better get to know each other and to talk about experiences with God. I'm Dorothy Bennett, and this week I get to talk with Amanda McKinley about her passion for writing, particularly allegory, her experiences homeschooling two children with very different personalities, and her first remembrances of a personal relationship with God. You're from Texas originally and are a blog writer and homeschooler and many other things. And it seems like you live a very adventurous, outdoorsy nature life, which seems lovely. I'm very excited to talk to you. But you spent a couple of years in Ecuador. Is that correct? Correct. Right after I graduated from UT, I went I went for just a year um, and lived in Guayaquil for part of the year and then Quito for the other part. It sounds amazing. What were you doing there? It was kind of like a mission stint. I taught English and lived with a group of girls from all over, really from England and Northern Ireland, and we were all there. How is your Spanish now? I would say it's conversationally fluent. I I speak to a few friends that are in Ecuador and then just some people here conversationally, but I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable giving a speech. I think giving a speech at any time is nerve-wracking, but in a second language must be a whole other realm. (laughs) I did. I was asked to translate a sermon one time, and I I think I overestimated my ability. And I told I was like, yeah, sure. And I got up, and they started. It was like the woman who's bleeding that Jesus, you know, she touches Jesus' robe and heals. Yeah. And I totally missed that part. Pastor said something funny, and then I looked at everyone, because I was translating to the Americans, and I said, I have, I have no idea what he said, but can y'all all just laugh right now because it was something funny. Oh, my word. <laughs> yes, group effort. So sometimes overestimating my ability. I love it. After you were in Ecuador, recently after that, you met your husband. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. How did y'all meet? We we were in this, we were at the same church and I think it was actually a singles retreat, but I didn't really know him. Um, but after the retreat, I was training for a marathon with a girlfriend who had gone on the retreat as well. And he kind of invited himself. He, he had run like you know, several marathons. So he invited himself on our training runs. And, you know, these are like 10, 12 mile runs. And I was like, sure. But I thought, (laughs) I totally thought he liked my friend this whole time. I was like, I think he's gonna, this is why he's tagging along. She's like, no, I don't really feel this. And so then he called and asked me out. Oh, (laughs) so I didn't expect it. That's a really cute plot twist. And then y'all also have two kids, which are, I would label them preteens, but I don't, how would you say? Um, gosh, I don't see them as tweeners yet, but, um, I would still just say elementary. I mean, you know, they're about to do fifth and, and fourth. So I would say elementary. Definitely. So y'all have been homeschooling during the shelter in place this last spring semester. And then y'all are doing sort of a partial homeschooling system for their regular school, right? Right. Right. It's a hybrid model. What's been, 
a highlight of having them at home more doing their schooling together? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't consider myself a natural teacher at all, but I love to read. I love to write. I love learning history. Um, I feel like I'm learning um like all over again, which is really fun. It kind of feels like I'm always one of those, like I could go back to college and study a whole nother, you know, degree if I could. Um, and so with them, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of getting to do that without having to turn anything in. Yeah. I know that each family unit is different in how they handle studying together, but what, what have been some practices or tips that you've picked up that have worked with your family in making it more educational friendly and in, in working at home? I work, I have one who works very independently and I can give her a checklist and she goes and does really everything in her room. She, she's, she wants to be quiet and by herself. And my son, he's got some learning disabilities. So it, it's, and he's, he's got high energy. He's a high energy active boy mm -hmm. with some dyslexia, dysgraphia, and, and probably some attention issues that we never mm. tested, but you know, just, just a lot of energy. So I, I have to learn how to, he takes, he requires a lot of side-by-side -side teaching. So I am walking through every, you know, every subject with him and I have to know when it's time for a break, when it's time to go outside and do some things orally versus writing them down, when to type. Um, so we're, we're growing in that, but it's definitely, I've had to learn how to adjust because I, that's not how I learn. And so I've had to really change my style to adapt to his. How has that transition been for you? It's hard. And I don't know if it's my own sensory issues. I have a hard time with all the the bouncy energy and the pencil droppings and the, you know, crashing and bumping. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I, it is the place where I am constantly having to work on, you know, not getting angry, not getting snappy about it, knowing when to, when to be gracious and when to be firm on boundaries. Yeah. Do you feel like in those spaces because I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a, a lot written and a lot you can research as far as what to do and what not to do but it, it does seem like it might be moment to moment is that a place where you can kind of feel the Holy Spirit guiding you on what this moment needs or maybe this moment needs a bit more relaxation yeah it's I mean you know I'm since I'm a reader yeah I've read pretty much everything I can find I've you know, been to counseling for different parenting tactics. I've talked to other moms with similar kids. So I have all the information in my head. And I would say that's something as a mom that sometimes I feel like you can go too far into researching and feel like it's almost an insecurity of like, oh, if I only just read the right book, then I'll figure out how to deal with this issue. That's very understandable. Yes. And my husband's even like, honey, you you have all the knowledge in your head. You, you know, you've done enough research. I now, um, yeah, I would say what you just said about the Holy Spirit. I have to pray constantly. Um, and I'll even, I'll even be vulnerable here. I had to, <laughs> I taped just the other day, I taped the verse from James that says, slow to anger, be qu uh, quick to, you know, listen, <laughs> because the anger man does not produce the righteousness of God. I taped it to my chest and walked around with it all day because I was like, mommy is really struggling. So I'm going to, you know, this is going to be my reminder. <laughs> and they just laughed. I love the, the physicality of it. It helped. It really did. <laughs> That's amazing. Have there 
been moments in praying for that and asking for that. Have there been moments where you're like, ah, yes, this is the prayer answered? I think so. I mean, I, a lot of times when I show um, my need and Mm. don't um, react in anger, but pray, my kids soften. And I hope that it's modeling for them, you know, the gospel. Mm. What, What has it been like to watch the personalities develop in your home? Yeah, it it gives me hope. And I, I think that's tied to why I love doing the education with them, because as I've as I've learned, I know their weaknesses and I know their strengths. And because my daughter, things come easily for her when it's something is hard. She kind of shuts down and gets really discouraged. And mm. so I know how to press her in that and teach her, you know, that a lot of things for your brother come hard pretty much everything comes hard. So can you see how like we need to grow in perseverance in this area? And then my son, I mean, he's a natural leader and he's not afraid of anything. He's had four broken bones. You know, he's just a daredevil. That's that's awesome. has got a, oh, it's great. I mean, he's going to be just a, you know, upfront leader type and tons of friends, very social, Mm. but school is very hard for him. Diligence and um, being neat and working at it. So I know for him and, and probably similar to mommy, he gets angry a lot when he's frustrated. And so I think self-control is an area that he knows and me too, that we need to grow in and patience and perseverance in a different way. It's fun to see, you know, it's, it happens in the school room, but it also happens with his friends. So all those characteristics play out and I can see myself in both of them and I can see our need for Jesus <laughs> daily. It, as I said before, it does seem like y'all have a very adventurous life and I noticed something. I'd love for you to tell me about it. The Roly Poly Palace. <laughs> I don't even remember. We do so many um, bug things. Oh, oh! I think maybe they're just constantly. We're in the yard a lot, and we're um, so. I think at some point there was some spare wood that they built a little pin, and so it first started out as a Roly Poly pin, and, uh, and they learned quickly <laughs> that well. They can't really stay in a pen, but they would study them. So then they found um, this beautiful turtle. And it was not, we're, we're right next to a pond, and it's not a pond turtle. We we ended up having a fun chat with our neighbors. It was someone's probably pet because it was a really nice turtle um, that is not a water turtle. So we, you know, we tried to figure out whose it was and we kept it for a while. So they were fascinated with that. So we studied it. We kept it in a little pen. We learned what it ate. Well, it escaped. <laughs> I have heard that they are escape artists. I mean, and one time we found it. It was five blocks down the road on no. the main road. It was like he was following the sidewalk, and it was hilarious. We brought it back, but then it got away again. So, yes, they they get very attached, and then they lose their their little friends. But <laughs> Yes, yes, but that's so lovely. I adore the idea of corralling roly-polies. So you're you're also— very involved with writing and you were a blog writer with your with your husband's company what other projects are you working on right now what are your other writing passions at the moment you know i'm intrigued think of like miss lewis and the great divorce or paradise lost or you know bunyan's pilgrim's progress those kind of creative worlds that kind of depict heaven um kind of in a creative way that's that's where 
I'm interested in, in what I'm writing about. Are you also sort of romanced by the allegorical? Very much so. Hmm. Very much so. That's really neat. I, I had to develop a taste for allegory as an adult. As a kid, I was all against it. And I think the reason why was because C.S. Lewis wrote about Chronicles of Narnia. He was like, this is not an allegory. And I was like, got it. Allegories are awful, um, which was not his point. As an adult, though, I've, I've realized how much I enjoy allegories. I would love to hear what about it attracts you. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't set off to, I didn't set out thinking I'm going to write this allegorical, you know, piece of work. But I guess what I love specifically related to heaven with Paradise Lost and, and even Narnia and what was the other one, even like, you know, Dante's Inferno, all of those, I think what what it does for me and my imaginative part of me, I want to picture vivid scenes of what heaven could be like. Now, am I, you know, trying to give this theological treatise on heaven? No, you know, and I don't think C.S. Lewis is trying to do that. I don't think Milton was trying to do that. Yeah. But again, by telling story and creating these beautiful, I just think of how much imagery must be in heaven, how much the sounds and the sights and the smells, and then you kind of combine that with, wow, we're going to get new bodies and there's going to be work in heaven and we're not just going to sit on clouds and (laughs) play harps, you know? So all of that, I was, I'm very passionate about show a story in a world that could just be almost as amazing as heaven. I mean, obviously I can't even get close, but just to incite people's imagination. So I think that's my, my heart behind it is more um, giving people images to, to reflect on God. I think that's a really neat goal, especially in story format. What is the hardest part for you in producing words? Because like, you can have an idea for a story, but actually putting words onto the page is, is difficult. That, that's where I'm stuck right now. Um, <laughs> I'm learning. I have to have boundaries and set set aside a block of time to create and it's and that that would be one thing I tell moms is it's hard when you're a mom to um Mm. you know make that carve out that time and I don't know if it's always practical but as a mom I realized the creative part of me was kind of sucked dry and um I think it actually affected a lot of my mental, uh, mental illness and all that. And so I, as I found, as I've gone back to writing, um, gosh, it's been such a, such a life tank filler. Um, and so now, and I'm learning to, to make that a priority. With mental issues, how has been being a mother and being in quarantine? I mean, thankfully, I think my darkest days were a while back. And I now have the tools to know when I'm I'm going kind of downhill in certain areas. So I'm thankful that I'm not there now because I, I do feel for moms who were already kind of struggling, whether it's anxiety or depression, and then this hits. If um, they haven't had any tools or even just, you know, friends to reach out to. And I mean, absolutely the word of God and prayer is, is crucial, but, but you also kind of, there's got to be quality of life and some other things, usually habits to help you get out of that season. I would say I had to recognize, and I think this is my heart for, for new moms, especially is all of a sudden you're in this season of giving, of your body, of, you know, nursing, of giving, keeping the house going, of, and if you're working and all those mm-hmm. things. And 
I, I think part of my, my darkest part of depression that I struggled with is I, um, didn't really reserve anything for me that was life-giving. I was, I was just being poured out and exhausted and, and didn't really know what I needed. I think that's, what's hard is as you, as you age, you learn, oh, I'm like this. I didn't know I was an introvert. Oh. And so I was doing all these play dates and, you know, out, outward activities. And I always wanted to be around people. I didn't know enough about myself to say, oh, I need to have some alone time uh, by myself, uh, you know, kind of a chunk of time where I can either read or um, exercise, whatever. And so I think that's been a huge part of knowing, knowing myself. So I, I do think for other moms in this, in this crisis, it's definitely hard and, and it's not always practical, mm. but to know what, what recharges you. And so God's, God's really used that. And what's beautiful is he used my darkest days of depression to remind me that I love writing. And so he almost mm. brought me to that point where I was, I was barely able to parent. And, um, my kids, you know, were in full-time daycare cause I really couldn't, couldn't handle anything. And so I went back to writing during that time and it, it was a, it was a tank filler, a lifesaver. And so now I feel like God was very sweet to say, this is who you are. And you kind of just stuck that under the rug for a long time. I want you to come back to this. So since then, I've, I've just, he's shown me like, you've got to have some boundaries and take care of yourself as well in order to take care of your family. You mentioned that you've journaled so much. Was it every day for the last couple of years or something? <laughs> since I was about 10. <laughs> oh dear. With access to so much of your previous life like that, do you have document of the first time that you became aware of God as a person? Or do you just remember that off the top of your head of when God became real to you? Yes, um, I do. It, my, my dad um, was killed in a plane crash when I was four years old. Hmm. And I, I mean, looking back, I'm sure there were so many people around us praying for us as kids and my mom. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that was God's faithfulness to answer those prayers. So I remember as a little girl, um, I can't remember the sequence exactly, but I would, and again, it goes back to loving to be outdoors. I would sit under these big trees and sing to God. And I just felt like I knew, and I felt like he was like smiling and, and listening to my songs. And that was just from going to church. You know, again, I didn't have any idea of the gospel yet, but I, I naturally had this, uh, view of him as, and praise God, I know not everyone grows up that way, of, of he is my good father. And I don't know if that's because I lost my father and immediately I saw him as my father. So that started from an early age. And it's funny, it's always related to trees. Then when I, I uh, dedicated my life or, or became a believer, I was at um, a Christian camp, a summer camp, and I was walking alone on this trail in the forest and remember just kind of like praying and talking and I'd heard the gospel message, you know, all that week and then kind of just laid it out and um, asked God, you know, to forgive me and be my savior. And so, again, it was by myself in this beautiful forest and I felt like God, God heard me. So I, I think he speaks to me a lot through nature and mm -hmm. um, and because of my story with losing my dad at a young age, I have I have seen him as uh, my father in a lot of ways. Mm. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, it seems like like nature and and reading are two huge ways in which you you yes. receive yes. from the divine, which is wonderful. Totally. The last question I had for you, you mentioned that you're you're reading Harry Potter for the first time. Yep. I'm a little late to the game. <laughs> oh, but but better late than never. Tell me about it. Where are you? I'm only on the sec- second Chamber of Secrets. Yes. Yeah, I'm just on the second. I've gotten so into it. I am so excited for you. It might be too early in the series for you, or maybe you're already uh, connecting with an adult character, but I just wanted to ask, are you are you identifying with a character in the Harry Potter series? Interesting. I'm wondering who I should be identifying with. Professor McGonagall? I don't know. <laughs> Hermione. <laughs> she, those are both, I think, especially if you're academically inclined, Professor McGonagall and Hermione are sort of the, the go-tos and McGonagall only gets yeah. more impressive the more the series goes on. So great choice. I mean, I'm not a, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not a know-it-all like Hermione. I would not want to know all the answers. <laughs> so I don't like that part. Yes. <laughs> I definitely, and you know who I really love is Hagrid. I just think he's a hoot. Oh, Hagrid is amazing. Amanda, thank you so much for talking about some of your testimony and your work and kind of how you're seeing God move through your work. It was really fun to discuss and hear that from you. Thank you. I think this is great. You're doing this. I can't wait to hear other other podcasts. Yes, absolutely. Next week, we'll be hearing from Damon Cripp, discussing his time as a missionary, among many other interesting things. Thank you for listening.